We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Pro teams have millions to spend, and they don't always spend them wisely. But when it comes to a great shave, you don't have to shell out tons of cash. Harry's saw customers getting ripped off by the shaving industry with overpriced, underperforming products and decided to do something better. They found their own way to make beautifully designed razors for a fraction of the price of the other big brands, so you never wonder if you overpaid. Harry's shaving products look great, and the weighted handle makes shaving feel great too. I like to keep my beard neat, and Harry's always leaves me with a smooth yet crisp shave. Harry's quality is top-notch, thanks to German-engineered blades made in their own factory that stay sharp longer. You can get a five-blade razor, weighted handle, foaming shave gel, and a travel cover for just three bucks at harrys.com slash bluewire. And Harry's has the highest customer satisfaction in the shaving industry, plus a convenient subscription option that you can cancel at any time. Getting the best doesn't mean spending the most when you shave with Harry's. Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com slash bluewire. That's harrys.com slash bluewire for a $3 trial set. Welcome to the Pat Mayo Experience, presented by DraftKings Arnold Palmer Invitational Bets, Picks, Preview, One and Done, plus a recap of the Honda Classic, the probably not the Indian Hero Open, and what the hell happened at Mayakoba? Apparently live happened this weekend. That was a thing. Talk a little bit more about that reminder to smash the like button for the episode. Sub to Mayo Media Network. You're going to want to sub to the podcast feed as well, because we've started to put audio-only exclusive podcast up there. I did a show with Pete Overzet and Brian Hooper last week. That was just a Friday bonus that was up there. The video is actually on Pete Overzet's YouTube channel if you want to check it out. I thought it was a really fun chat. Vibe with those guys really well. So if you're looking for something to kill some time after you listen to this show, then hey, you should go check that out. I'll be back on Tuesday with Jeff and Tim Andercust doing football. Wednesday with Tambo and hopefully Thursday, future bets. The best on the market with Cam and Rob. And then Friday, we're directly into the Players' Championship. Me, Rick, and Raza breaking down the first look for DraftKings. And then boom, full week of Players' content. It's very exciting times. 
you want to play in the best tournament on DraftKings, that is easy stuff. There's 3,500 spots this week in the Pat Mayo Experience Open. The link is down in the description right now. We fill that quickly. We probably get 5,000 spots for next week. And that's important because that means it's $65,000 of guaranteed money in the prize pool. That is completely rake-free which will actually make it the best tournament you can play at the Players' Championship. So let's fill this one up right away. And if you do want the stats, all the research, the lineup generation, the simulations, whatever it may be, and you've never gone to FantasyNational.com before, but you've been thinking about it, you're you're curious about FantasyNational.com, I highly recommend that you do it on Wednesday. You get the weekly membership on a Wednesday that takes you Wednesday through Wednesday, and you go to FantasyNational.com slash Mayo to get yourself 20% off the weekly membership. Anyway, you go Wednesday to Wednesday, and what do you get? Well, you get Arnold Palmer Invitational, all the research, generate your lineups for that. Then it brings you to the end of next Wednesday, which means you get access for all the players' championship prelude as well of building your lineups and doing your research. So I highly recommend that the Wednesday to Wednesday weekly two-for-one fantasynational.com slash mayo. Jeff Feinberg is not in the same country as me. He is actually down in Florida. Maybe he'll go to Bay Hill. Probably not, but he was on the grounds briefly on the weekend at the Honda Classic, weren't you? I was. I did jaunt through the property on Saturday afternoon for a few hours. I, I love it there. It's a great course to watch uh, pro golf, regardless of the field. Got to see a few people, not as many as I would have liked. I sort of had too many balls in the air on Saturday to stay as long as I would have wanted. But um, yeah, I love it. I love it down here. And it's, it's great to hear, Pat, from Jack that they... They've got something lined up when it comes to a sponsor and the future. The event is not going anywhere. It will still be played here. And I don't know how, whether like with attracting new sponsors, they have to throw carrots at them. Um, but, but it's almost like they've promised the new sponsor that it will be in some elevated rotation, even potentially. It's like when you build a stadium in a league, you get an all-star game or a Super Bowl. I guess now if you sign up as a sponsor, they promise you and elevated event pat i can see that because the elevated events are on a rotation so that doesn't mean like phoenix might not be an elevated event every single season we talked about this a little bit last week so this year it is i think there's four of them so it's going to be genesis no not genesis genesis is just like this tournament arnold palmer invitationals every year same as memorial those ones are locked in so that we have heritage waste management travelers and i think that there's one other one somewhere along the way maybe it was tournament of champions although that seems like something that would have a huge prize pool regardless of what year it's going to be as sort of a bonus for winning from a year ago and then the rest of them are just kind of in the rotation the the crappy thing it's not a crappy thing and maybe this was by design of how they worked it out and this one's definitely not going to change because arnold palmer invitation and the players are both locked in as super high-paying events and they're back-to-back weeks. But we got the back-to-back weeks with Genesis and Waste Management earlier. Do you think that they were, like, stacking those together? Because we're going to see that U.S. Open then Travelers as well later on in the season, that they're having these clusters of two, same as Heritage and Masters, back-to-back weeks, uh, then that one coming off of a major, that maybe it'd be better to spread it out a little bit? Or do you think this is by design where, hey, I have my bets in, I have my rooting interest on what's going on this week, and it's exactly the same guys the following week, and that's why what makes it important, that what leads to higher ratings, whatever it may be. I'm not entirely sure. It still feels like, I mean, it's a new world, these elevated events. It's a bit of a new normal for, I'm sure, the players, but even for us as, as fans and 
you know, even the stuff that next year there could be cut, uh, no cuts, which, you know, we've talked about and annoy us. It does seem like it's all a bit of a work in progress still, but it does seem like the modern player also, Pat, likes going back-to-back in, in a big way. In a way, the player, when we were younger, would just sort of model the Tiger way. Uh, oh, Tiger doesn't, like, play before big events? I'm not playing before big events. Now, these new younger guys, they just get their mo, and they're like, let's keep it. It's cash season. I'm not sitting out a week. Yeah, I can most see that. It, we kind of shit on the Honda Classic field last week because it was a really shitty field. But that didn't mean that it wasn't a great event. It was a great event. And uh, I can take you through a laborious story of how I lost $3,000 when Eric Cole just couldn't get it done on 18. And it, it's funny because, no, like, I guess some people watch Liv. I didn't see a second of Liv. The only thing I saw of Liv is when Kenny posted the uh, going to commercial break of the two chicks making out at Mayakoba, which seemed awesome. Like, if I've known that, I probably would have tuned in. But, like, Honda really gripped me the entire week. And it's not that I wanted it to be an elevated field. I just wanted, like, three or four more of the top end, like, middle-tier top end guys, like a Zalatoris, or even just have, like, a Day, Scott, and Ricky all in the field at the same time. I felt like that would have made it a little bit better, but it didn't matter. And as we talked about for a long time, especially you, just the drama that can be created from your run-of-the-mill events is still just going to be better than anything that Liv puts out. The magic is not for sale. The magic isn't for sale. Was the field as great as we'd like? No. But in the ecosystem that is professional golf, weeks like that are required. A, so we get, you know, to know some of these other guys, but... Um, it's just in the ecosystem of pro golf, weeks with lesser fields are required. And those of us who love golf, and there's a lot of us, we, we appreciate what's happening. We appreciate, you know, guys trying to get a card, right? And that's just as important. Guy trying to get a card is literally just as important to him as winning a major is to Xander Shoffley. Like, we all understand the levels of that. And then the Kirk story, Pat... I don't know, two years ago as Spieth was starting his trajectory back, I was screaming on our show every week, the best comeback in golf is Chris Kirk. It's Chris Kirk. And I'd bet him T20s and outrights at those big numbers. And, I mean, I quit a while ago, so I don't feel like I missed it. It seems like everyone had it but me. Um, what, this, this week? week? No, that, that is not true. I guarantee you, had Eric Cole won, you would have seen a lot more Eric Cole tickets around. Oh, yeah, around. I saw a lot of the Cole. That was... Um, it was, every, but, but um, in terms of like the tout card, Kirk was everywhere. I know you and Sky and, and Ben, like amazing with that Eric Cole shit and the magic that that brought. Um, and I think what even Baroff was on that. But yeah, the, the Kirk story in and of itself is just, it's so fantastic and heartwarming. And the dichotomy of, of everything that was sort of playing out there was great. And again, it's an ecosystem like everything else, you know, not everything's a shark. The, the, the sharks need the minnows, right, for everything to work. And the golf ecosystem, well, it's easy to poke jokes at. It, it still needs events like that, it seems. And, and they, they, it delivered. It delivered. It's a great way. It's almost sort of like a minor league system in a strange way, or the first round of the NCAA tournament, whatever it might be, that this does create an opportunity because this is still a course that people, and maybe that's why with 
uh, at the outset of the elevated events, why they took a look at Pebble and they took a look at Honda. And they know scheduling-wise, those are in really bad spots for everything that comes around them. But they do know that both of these courses really appeal to almost everyone. People really like these courses. And they're two courses where almost anyone can compete at the same time. Like Pebble, it's a three, you know, it's a pro-am. It has wonky, wonky rotations of courses. But Pebble itself, yeah, the good players are generally going to win when you get there. But we've seen super bombs end up winning at Pebble Beach in the past, even with stronger fields. And the same can be said about Honda, too. Like There's so much variance at these courses that you're going to find some of these guys that hopefully you can make into new stars. Now, I want to go to Chris Kirk for a second. Like, great story. I'm not happy for him. I wish he would have stayed retired or whatever it was after what happened this week. But objectively, very good story. What the hell was he doing on 18? I don't have an answer. <laughs> I do not know. I turned for a a moment and I saw the ball land. Like I saw the watermarks near the the CRV in the middle of the lake before I even saw it hit the rock wall and on the ricochet. I don't know. That was crazy. The moment, the moment, um, I know Azinger is annoying. It's like beyond comprehension how annoying one man could be. But the moment may have gotten to him. I don't know. He, he didn't, he mishit the shot. He didn't clear the water. That's a egregious error in that moment when all he needs is to um, just make that, just put the pressure on Cole, who's scrambling. Ah, never mind. I'm not going to go there for you guys. What? Cole, like just Cole couldn't, his scrambling, like in the last hour of the tournament. Yeah. Well, I mean, the, the, okay. So. He was amazing all week. The putt, it was all amazing. But the bunker on 15, the long the long chip in a pretty safe spot on 18, I was feeling it, feeling it for, for the party that could have been for all y'all. Yeah, it, it, was, it was tough. And that is, you could see the nerves get to him. But what, what are you going to do? It's a guy who's ranked 370th in the world. He still won more coming in second than I think he had made like in his entire career. Dude's like a 33-year-old rookie on the PGA Tour. It, you could see it coming. Like At no point did I ever think that, I mean, I allowed myself to think that the bet was going to win and that he was going to win, especially when Kirk went into the water. But I saw some people like victory lapping at the moment Kirk went in the water. It's like, he still needs to make birdie here. And Kirk can most definitely uh, still make a par and win this if Cole can't convert. Now they ended up going par bogey. But you could see it. Like, the moment he hit the chip and just, he knew he had hit a bad shot. He overcooked it on the approach shot. But if you're Chris Kirk, especially after what happened on Saturday on 18, why, like, was he watching that Tiger video from when Tiger shot the 62? He's like, oh, I can make that shot. And he almost did, by the way. It missed by a foot, and it would have been immaculate had he have hit it to, to win the tournament in that fashion, like a tap in for Eagle. But he knows if he just hooks it to the left, it just plays a big draw from the, like, aim at the center of the green. If it draws too much, hey, fuck, you'll hit the grandstand and be able to take it back 80 yards to the middle of the fairway to chip it close. Like, how come Eric Cole didn't get that benefit? Like, oh, yeah, I, I don't want to hit it from here. I'm going to walk it back. I'm going to walk it back, uh, you know, 80 yards to give myself a better angle. Because apparently that's what you're allowed to do in these tournaments. Yeah, that's just becoming a frustrating thing at golf. I was in just... I don't know, all my, my bets lose anyway, so it's not even about picking a side on, on a bet. Rom hits it into a dumpster truck. Xander hits it into the roots of a huge tree. 
the Kirk thing. It's just becoming a pattern. And I know the players know in defense of Chris Kirk, and I've been to the Honda a ton. I've seen guys, we see guys pepper off of, off of grandstands knowing that is a bailout and it's a safe thing to do. And they know the rules that it creates an opportunity. It's just the weirdest thing. I don't even, I don't even know what to say. I guess in hindsight, the the Kirk thing was the less egregious of our three straight weeks of insane drops, free relief. Well, it's it's. Listen, I, I understand these are, but didn't Mac Hughes do exactly the same thing like two years ago, and he didn't get that same sort of relief? Didn't he have to take it from like the rough somewhere? You could be right about that. That's a bit of a a blur. You were there. You were walking with you were walking with his mom. Yeah, I was there, but it was the end of a long day and I was not rooting for good things to happen for him because I had the Sung J ticket. Um, so I don't actually remember I don't remember. I don't remember the exact uh how that played out. But just you know, then I make a joke how you hit it three hundred perfect down the stripe, you land in a divot, you know, go fuck yourself, pal. No free relief for that. Play it as it lies. And then the whole debate of if they actually made a rule, Pat, where you could get free relief from a divot, it was a great joke. It might have been our boy uh, E-Pat. I don't remember who said it. Now it could be given wrong credit. Well, that uh, what is a divot would be golf's version of what is a catch. Yeah. like Because the guys would just play with every advantage they could get from that. Like, what's a divot? Is a grain of sand? And a mark mean a divot? Like, what's a divot? It'd be, it's too bad that that is the case. Remember how fucked Paul Casey got at the players last year? Oh. <laughs> like, that was, that was the worst divot I've ever seen anyone hit into. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's sort of the poster child um, for this. And I guess they've talked through it, that there is no right answer, because the what is a divot would be way worse than the current situation. I will say, although the results ended up, so there's been eight tournaments so far this year. I hit Homa at Torrey Pines, and I now have three second-place finishes on the card, which sucks. Morikawa should have won. I thought Homa was going to beat Rom last week. I thought the Cole had a chance here. This is the third time that I've had a triple-digit long shot at the Honda Classic losing a playoff. That's Remember we had Berger against Patty? What? Yeah, Patty and this one, I, I'm, I'm, I had, I'm just... I had, I had Luke List. Oh, of course, and the obvious one. It, it was ghosts of all bets lost at the Honda Classic past for me because when Kirk had the par putt to win the tournament, do you know what putt that was exactly the same as? No. Uh, the Keith Mitchell putt? Keith Mitchell burying my Brooks Kepka bet, making that exact same putt. And then in the playoff, when Kirk hit it behind the tree off the Luke tee... List. Yeah, he had he had to lay up, and Kirk did exactly what Justin Thomas did. He put it to like a foot and tapped it in to fucking beat me. <laughs> yeah, my memory of that day was I had I had a, the Norn and Fleetwood tickets that looked so good on the back nine, and JT hit it off a rock Rocks. wall and yeah. then got it beside the pin. Anyway, chaos. What is interesting, Pat, for a tournament? Well, I guess the field's gotten weaker, but for a tournament. Like, the recent past winners of Honda is as good as it's gotten for a non-major tournament. Rory, Ricky, Scott, M. Mitchell. Um, it's, well, yeah, Mitchell, 
don't know where you want to rank him and, and Strack. Obviously, they're not all perfect, but they've had a nice little recent run of of quality winners. Not that any of those guys play here anymore. I love it. I love that event. It's thank thank God for Jack and his support of the the course and the region, or who knows what would have happened. Um, what happened to listen? There's a lot of rumors around here, Pat. Someone even gave me that this could be a match play rumor. I like that. I can we can we stagger the match play between Pebble and here? Yeah, you'd hope so. So there's a lot of rumors around here, but people aren't concerned. They and it, yeah, they're not concerned. And I honestly feel like whoever the new sponsor is. It's sort of like an old ballpark. People will just refer to it as the Honda in the same way I still be like, we're going to the Skydome. Yeah, I can see that. Did they change the name of the uh, the Air Canada Center too? Isn't it something else now? Yeah, it's Scotia. But yeah, yeah it's still the ACC to anyone like of our generation. Yeah, um, for, for people who, like a lot of people who went to the games at the arena, you're like, oh, yeah, that's what it's called. And Skydome will always be Skydome. Always. My, down oh. here, I, like, I have an uncle who would still call Hard Rock Joe Robbie Stadium. Oh, really? Yeah, it's the same place. All right. Let's see here. Honda. It was nice having... This, this is sort of the thing. Like, having Homa win at Tory was great. He made a ton of putts coming down the stretch. And even though he had, he missed a few and pushed a few at Riviera, dude gained, like, 12 strokes putting over the course of the week. I can't be mad that he missed a few six-footers. Unlike the normal guys that I back, and this is more of an Eric Cole thing, it's nice to back guys who make some putts from time to time. It's really nice that, like, when they're standing over a three-footer, you're not like, well, he's going to miss this, so there goes my ticket. It, it's just nice to back some good putters every now and then, although the result is exactly the same. And listen, the top five cash, it was a nice winning week at huge odds. It just could have been a week that pays off the entire year kind of thing if Cole ends up getting to the winner's circle. But it's just nice. Like, he made a 60-foot bomb at one point. It's like, my guys never do that. I totally agree. There's such a betting golf, the mental war that I could go through sometimes. Like if you bet on um, like to not have to sweat the three footers, it's the same way if you're a hardcore fan of football, you'd wish almost when the other team is punting, you can like take a breath and not look, but I'm just so paranoid. We're going to botch fumble the, the receiving end of the punt that I can't look away. I can't get a breath even for a moment. That's what I'll feel like this week when we all got our Zalatoris bets on two footers. You just can't look away. Got to sweat it to the end. Um, so that is that is nice. The Kirk one hits Pat, and we're still in the holding pattern of only. I mean, you could debate Kirk's status as a good player. So when I say good players only win, short odds. It's just the guys near the top. For how do I put this? I am struggling this year. But it does seem like golf betting is getting easier outright, if that makes any sense. It's getting better for the people who are coming over from other sports. Like Gabe. Gabe hit Chris Kirk. And I know a bunch of people did hit I Chris Kirk. That. And I love that. Gabe, oh, Gabe must think he's a king shit hitting a 30 to 1. Oh, my God. I've seen Gabe walk around the peacock like a peacock hitting a 4 to 1. Well, oh, hey, my God. Wait, Good for Good yeah, but it was always his point when we used to talk about golf betting. It'd be like to look at John Rom this week, for example. John Rom's what six to one, 
six and a half to one. Like, there's no way I'm betting six and six and a half to one on a golfer in a field of 120 guys. Like, that's terrible. And he would look at it, it's like I wager a bunch of money on coin flips every week at minus 120 in the NFL. Six and a half to one is like if you hit a six and a half to one in football, for example, like a, a three leg parlay or something. Like, it's mind blowing. People are like, oh my god, wh- where can I buy your picks? If you do it in golf, it's like, <laughs> oh, go fuck yourself. Yeah, I mean, joke all the time. You hit a first touchdown. People are like, oh, here you got, man. You got, like, buddy, I just hit a six. Like, I only picked a good running back. I didn't exactly, like, methodically figure this thing out. And people, you first touchdown, you get all the high props for. You hit a eight-to-one golfer. It's like, man, you suck. Go away. Maybe we should change our strategy then. We're not. I haven't. But we, we keep saying that I'm we're going to. we still getting we, good players. Yeah, but they're not good enough players. Only three guys can win now. I just mean, like, I don't know. I'm Yeah, I, I feel like my strategy is a strategy, just betting on good players. I'm not wasting money on bombs. I did get a little more cheeky last week because it was the Honda. And, you know, like some which, others, my which, which I, 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 one of two. Dude, I, I think that worked itself out, though. Like, just because, I mean, I, Chris Kirk opened it 22 to 1. That's why I just, I looked at it. I was like, no, thank you. Uh, probably shouldn't have done that. But outside of Chris Kirk, Eric Cole, 175 to 1, comes in second. Tower Duncan, 150 to 1, comes in third. J- F1 French racer Jean Girard comes in fucking fourth. I don't even know who that is. Just some guy who qualified. Justin Suh was 70 to 1. He came in fifth. Ben Taylor was 80 to 1. He came in fifth. Seb Straka was 100 to 1. Then you get to Shane Lowry. But he also tied with Ben Martin who was fucking 250 to 1. Like these guys were there. This is the type of course for that sort of strategy. It just didn't work out. Didn't work out and hey, like the each ways on call pay as much as the Kirk win. More. They actually paid. The problem More. is you don't have as much money. On the each no, way, of course not. like Chris Kirk hits it, let's say 25 to one. My Eric Cole was 44 to one on the top five, but I didn't bet the top five as a part of the each way. Like I would have bet a Chris Kirk 25 to one. So it's not apples to apples. It's like apples to half apples. Yes, of course. But it's still, um, even still, who was it? You're watching uh, like the Nick Taylor each way dwarfs the, Oh, no, Rom didn't win that. Anyway, yeah, sometimes, yeah, anyway, I'm not betting. I'm not finding each ways, especially not this week. Um, We got a 25-man board again, I guess. We do. Um, Let's talk live for a second. It was the first live event. It was at Mayakoba. Couldn't find it on TV anywhere in Canada, so I just pretended like it didn't exist. But I had no interest in watching it. There's something to, and I hope this doesn't happen with these elevated events, that there is a nice change of pace with Hondo and even just your regular on the PGA Tour where you see different people every single week where I feel like that's a drawback of live. Like you can say like, hey, the elevated events on the PGA Tour are by far the best. And to some extent, that is true. We've been getting great finishes, great courses with these super fields. But I don't think I'd want to see the same 100 guys play the same 100 guys every single week. There's something kind of shitty about that yeah there is a charm to what the the golf world um like there's a charm to the dream chase that happens at events like the honda uh that you can't get on live but at the same time 
I think it's the perfect live strategy to to find the weakest links and go against them. But at the same time, it can expose. Well, the intention of that is to expose the PGA. It can also backfire in some ways, expose live for delivering no magic and having this blood. I mean, if there's statistics, you would probably have your mouth on the floor at those CH3 stats. And he should be credited for, for his great golf. And I do believe, Pat, people will look at like CH people look at CH3 differently than they he's held to a different standard in the concept of live. He's well, an aging player. Of it, course he should go to live. He hadn't like winning on the PGA tour kind of felt like a pipe dream for a player in that situation. His friends on the PGA Tour, I'm certain, are thrilled for him today and that he's playing great golf. But it's a completely different um, acceptance than some of the others, clearly. You nailed it. The blowback for all of these top-end golfers, and we've kind of made mention, too, that there's no blowback on Dustin Johnson whatsoever, although he just recently lost his Adidas sponsorship. But... Yeah, people are pumped. CH3 just won more money in this one event than he did his entire career on the PGA Tour in the three events that he won. By a pretty substantial margin, too. I think he won like $4.7 million this weekend for winning the event, and then he won the team event. And then in his three wins, he won the RSM. He's won like three times on the PGA Tour over the past 20 years. Pretty sure that CH3 broke in with Tiger around that like same time in the very like late 90s early 2000s and I think he won like 3.6 million for his three wins and yeah people are pumped like he no one begrudges Charles Howell III for going to live and taking the money because anyone in his spot probably would do it if given the chance yeah it just feels like a total yeah it's just a totally different and I guess we choose our own adventure when sort of breaking down the live players and how we feel about them. It's almost like a case by case situation. I just kind of want to clarify, and maybe this is just corporate speak. It does seem like the DJ Adidas agreement was a mutual parting of ways. Um, They're not like they didn't ax Neiman. So it's not like they're just looking to abandon live golfers. DJ wants his whole shirt for this, whatever these guys, they own their teams. They, he wants the, there he wants the whole shirt when you have a sponsor like adidas i guess they demand a certain presence on the shirt in like the most marquee places and uh that i think so there's something there although maybe it was a mutually parting or maybe it wasn't mutually although it was it was sent out as something that is mutual but i am i am very closely watching a lot of this equipment stuff pat or or deal stuff with live players because, you know, to see Bryson as an equipment free agent and he's maybe one of the few golfers who can push product just based on his reputation as a driver, um, you'd think he'd be valuable. And I'm curious to even know if equipment people are looking to to be a part of his brand anymore. Okay. I guess we any final thoughts on the Honda before we close off here or what happened? No. Did, did you see any Euro this week? Baroff hit the guy came in second, third, and fourth <laughs> Euro this week. And he had Eric Cole. Like, that's a devastating week. Sorry to laugh, Ryan. Yeah, someone was joking. I guess it was based off Baroff, but there had to be some devastating weeks out there, which um, do make a lot of sense. And I guess, Pat, quickly on the lift or in golf in general. 
because so much is made about golf needing a younger audience. And I don't know why that's so necessary. Why does that matter? Everyone, everyone in your group of friends, you get into your 30s and half your friends are obsessed with golf that weren't obsessed with golf 20 years ago. Golf chasing the ever moving target that is the young demo just seems like a lost cause. Now, I'm not saying give it give up. How could there be anything more valuable than the demo golf has? The older people who are now living longer than ever. So you're older for a lot longer than you are younger now. And they can buy things and they're stubborn. They're stuck in their ways. They've decided long ago, I like golf. I watch golf. On the weekends, there's golf on. Like, they're the best people to have. And I just don't understand. It's like ever chasing for the youth. They have everything they need, to be honest. That's my opinion. Well, there's two ways to look at this. So one would be what you're talking about is what I like to call the Tim Andercust effect, that he's a fan, so he's always going to be a fan. And when he gets upset that products like Coca-Cola don't directly market things to him and they're trying to expand their audience and get new customers, he feels like it's a slight on him. Now, most people aren't insane, so they don't feel that way. But there's a reason that Coca-Cola doesn't just triple down on its existing customers because its existing customers are always going to be the customers. They're very brand loyal. They're not going to change. Golf is very much like that. So why do you need to care? Like, you're still going to run your dick pill ads and your Lexus commercials you need to try to reach out and go get everyone else to you know, increase money. It's all about that. Just try to get more and more and more and more and more people to watch your product. Therefore, you can make more and more and more and more money. But part two of it is there is a way to do this, but you have to remember that golf isn't going to be, because this is the same fucking thing that I hear from Canadians about hockey. Well, hockey should be bigger in the States. Like, no, it shouldn't. Like, Americans have pretty narrow views and certain populations and geography really depends on who likes hockey in America. It's true. Like, if you live in Chicago, hockey's pretty popular. Live in Minnesota, hockey's pretty popular. Turns out if you live in Phoenix, it's popular amongst Canadians who do their winters in Phoenix. No one else. So it's only going to be so big. Like, football is going to be king. Stop trying if you're golf don't suffer from the hockey problem of think you're going to be like the third biggest sport in America. It's never going to fucking happen. Just be happy with the people that you have and try to grow and maintain those viewers. But there are ways to expand the audience and make it younger. It's all the ways that we've been talking about over the past five years. Incorporate betting, incorporate daily fantasy, make it more interactive from a social perspective and a live streaming perspective, and then leave the TV audience to have what they're used to. So you don't disenfranchise and alienate those people, but figure out a way to make it a little bit better because the technology is there. And if you could pick and choose anyone you wanted, you could sell subscriptions to that and you could grow the base for that because betting on golf is so much fun and people are starting to realize that more and more and more. Like, I I don't know if the numbers would back this up, but it really does feel like legalized betting and daily fantasy has helped golf more than any other sport in terms of recognition and new people watching it. I... That's on. You can't even debate it. You know, we've seen it firsthand. You see it firsthand just based on how many the X factor of how many people watched this show eight years ago to now, regardless. Yes, you're bigger, might have more exposure, but you see it very much firsthand. In some ways, though, Pat, I also I don't want to say fight back because I agree it is the future. It's 100 percent the future. But at times in the present, it still feels like the golf better, the golf DFS person has an insane sense of self-entitlement to their place in the sport 
if that makes any sense. I'm no different either because I'm constantly banging the drum for what I, I realize that it's a pretty insignificant amount of the audience, but I do think that's a part of the audience that are very clear spenders, which is the greatest thing about golf. You mentioned like golf should be happy with the aging audience that they have. Is that, is that a great audience to have? It's true. Like when I sell ads on the show, and there's a great ad if you're listening to the audio podcast this week. I really put a lot of effort into the ad. A lot of uh, Francais speaking, huh? Everyone loves the, the French accent. Maybe Ryan Gerald can uh, do some more work and become a mainstay <laughs> on the PGA Tour that we can talk about. But what I can, I can sell ads for three times as much during golf season than I can during football season. People who watch golf and are interested in golf have money. They spend money. They have lots of money. And that's a great demo to be in, in terms of advertisers. Yeah. Absolutely. They have it. They spend it. Um, Yeah. There's no no debate there. You you tweeted me uh, that link with all the, the, the live contract situations and stipulations. I didn't really know what to make of it. Did you have any sort of feel for that? No, I just picked some low-hanging fruit out of it because that's sort of my brand. Like, and Liv offers us so much low-hanging fruit. And if I make a Liv joke on Twitter, people, like, love them. Even uh, Anyhow, the things that stuck out for me is the irony in Phil, in Phil not having, like, the control of his likeness while golfing. That was so important to him. Yeah, but, but just like I, I, yeah, yeah, but I, I will push back on that. I think that there's a difference when they're paying you two hundred million dollars. They buy. It's like how I don't shill affiliate fees on this yeah, they show. Bought the right away. Yeah, like as a part of like my negotiation with DraftKings when they came on to sponsor this show, they were like, "Hey, do you want to do affiliate fees? And we'll give you a cut of every single affiliate fee." It's like I would prefer not to do that because that's. It's just not fun for me. It's not fun for the audience. How about you buy me out of what we project? And I'll even take a conservative amount on that of I could probably, if I pushed it all the time, which would make me look real scummy and shilly all the time. I I push enough stuff all the time. I need to be pushing more stuff to try to jam it down people's throats. But in order to collect like affiliate fees and register yourself and all this stuff, like, hey, just buy me out of my affiliate fees, pay me a little bit more. And we'll be good to go on that front and it ends up being a good deal for you. I feel like with Liv, that's what they've done to an extent where the PGA was offering none of that. You know, they paid Phil for everything. They paid him for that. They paid him for his legacy rights in golf. Like Phil could have been Jack and Gary Player and like made money from that. Not to say he won't have external places to make money, but just that ever flow of being like the, the face that he, they, they paid him off for that. My point is, it's just any time they tell you it's any reason other than money, like, that's just... I know we should be smart enough to know that anyway. The other thing that did catch my eye, Pat, was the clause um, that I would just think is is common sense, where they're not allowed to utter a bad word about live or relevant people in live. Now, this is a very common cause clause in exit agreements. It is very rare in in employee contracts like i i i I have that in all of my contracts weirdly enough that disparaging remarks can turn into termination or like making yourself if i go out and go on a racist tirade on twitter you know i'm gonna be fired by all the companies that okay that's not what i am that's not what i'm referring to no but but they but they have like if phil goes out and criticizes you know the king of saudi arabia it's going to be some legal action coming at Phil. Yeah, that's and that is the thing. But at the same time, it's no different than um, 
like obviously things that are common sense end up in contracts because legalese you need it and common sense to person a isn't the same as common sense to person b so you can't just be like i can't say it's common sense not to bash your boss and it shouldn't be in the contract like i'm i'm aware of that just to say it's common sense isn't a reason like they have to protect themselves it's just you don't see it's just a really weird um it's just a really weird clause to me that's all like you can't even make a they can't say anything god forbid they do god forbid they do they've just they've been paid to shut up and and shut up and golf yeah and sell the king and sell the kingdom and sell the kingdom when you're guaranteed because i learned this from the netflix series full swing that if you don't make the cut that you don't get paid in golf I didn't know that before. I don't think anyone knew that before. So credit to Netflix for pointing that out for us. But if they're going to pay you five times what your probable like upside is, I mean, I guess if you win the FedEx Cup, you win a bunch of money. But like, I would never even insult. Like, I don't. How do you put this? I work for a compared to a live golfer, like literally quarter pennies. But I just mean. Like, it's never crossed my mind to publicly insult people I work for. I usually just do that after. That's true. You do do that after. <laughs> That's why this show can't run on game TV. Oh, <laughs> uh, it's my fault. Sorry. It's okay. Whatever. We'll it's make... okay. You got your... I, I make another joke right now, but I don't want to. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Game TV. Let's move on they to should the. Buy <laughs> they should buy they, they do. They're running live. It's on game TV. <laughs> Yes, yeah. Makes sense. Does that surprise you? No, no, it, no, it, no. It's a, it's a real whatever. We know the, the, the uh, I, I, I don't want to dig a hole for anybody. So I'm just shutting up and we'll move on. Yeah, because the, uh, the, the hole will be dug for me, not for you. Anyway. Yeah, yeah, exactly. For me. And yeah. And my problem is, well, yeah, let's not. We're just gonna we're just gonna move on there. Arnold. I'm lucky I can afford to open my mouth and say stupid things. Uh, bless, thank God. Or else I'd be in a real fucking shit situation. <laughs> <laughs> we're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Pro teams have millions to spend, and they don't always spend them wisely. But when it comes to a great shave, you don't have to shell out tons of cash. Harry's saw customers getting ripped off by the shaving industry. 
with overpriced, underperforming products and decided to do something better. They found their own way to make beautifully designed razors for a fraction of the price of the other big brands, so you never wonder if you overpaid. Harry's shaving products look great, and the weighted handle makes shaving feel great too. I like to keep my beard neat, and Harry's always leaves me with a smooth yet crisp shave. Harry's quality is top-notch, thanks to German-engineered blades made in their own factory that stay sharp longer. You can get a five-blade razor, weighted handle, foaming shave gel, and a travel cover for just three bucks at harrys.com slash bluewire. And Harry's has the highest customer satisfaction in the shaving industry, plus a convenient subscription option that you can cancel at any time. Getting the best doesn't mean spending the most when you shave with Harry's. Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com slash bluewire. That's harrys.com slash bluewire for a $3 trial set. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Arnold Palmer Invitational. Uh, Bay Hill, one of the better courses to watch, especially on the PGA Tour. We're back to a stacked field because it, it was after Arnold died, we did get a bit of a downswing here. 7,466 yards, par 72, one of the harder courses that we see throughout the course of the season, at least by winning score twice uh, in the past four years. It's been minus 12 and minus 10. The other two times, including last year, minus five and minus four. We had that crazy hat in year. It played exceptionally difficult a year ago, but now we're getting all the big boys back. I saw Jeff Ulrich put out a tweet on Monday morning that, let's see here, uh, six of the past eight winners at Bay Hill had a top five finish the previous season. Eight out of eight had finished 17th or better in a previous season. Or not the year previous. Top five finish in a previous season. So, And the past 12 winners of the event had played API at Bay Hill the year prior and made the cut. So each of the past 12 winners had played this tournament the year before. But here's the thing. We're getting a whole bunch of new people playing this course because it's not in their regular rotation. Like Cantley hasn't played this course in like eight years or something. We haven't seen Finau and Morikawa in two. Justin Thomas hasn't played in a really long time at this venue. So that trend probably goes out the window this year, although Rom fits all of these. So, although not the top five finish, he has a top 17 finish because he was 17th a year ago. Either way, I'm excited for this one. The one thing I will note, and I wrote this in my column on DK Nation, was before you do anything this week, DraftKings picks, bets, and I know that we're going to jump the gun on the bets before we really know what the weather is going to be. Friday looks like a fucking shit show at this course, like winds up to 30 miles per hour. So... The move might be save a few bullets, and if anyone that you like can post a reasonable score, even if it looks like they're right on the cut line on Friday morning, like they're in at you know, noon or whatever it is, you might just want to take that guy at triple-digit odds because all of a sudden he might be like two strokes off the lead or something by the time the afternoon wave finishes. We've seen that way too many times at this course. Remember Fitzpatrick almost won the hat in year from like 13 back? Yeah, a lot of... Dude, I'd have... if. This was always the place to me that Fitzpatrick would win in North America. Um, although he found his true happy place at, at Brookline, clearly. It's the actual only place in America that he's ever won. 
Uh, I love, yeah, I love the course, the, the wind, the water, the Bermuda, the stupid wind. I hate hearing that. Like, if the integrity of the bettings, of the bets get tossed and I'm not going to be re- be able to react to anything because I'm in uh, restricted in, in my bets in this new regulation landscape. Um, but, but yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm fired up. I love the field. I, honestly, I was even had to be reminded that Bay Hill was elevated because it just didn't make sense. We'd have three of them in four weeks, but it's the new normal. Yeah. This one is, I believe this is perpetually elevated. So this Memorial, like the invitational series that we always had. So Genesis, Bay Hill and Memorial, those three are going to end up being elevated uh, every year. Those ones are locked in. Then you have the four other ones that end up on the rotation. So we'll see what those end up being. So the top. What? So I just want to say you were right about this field because if they don't take care of these events that are attached to legends, you just end up having what's happened to the Byron Nelson, where it used to be really, really important, and you'd shake his hand when you won. But now it's literally like in the dumpster dive of PGA events. That one has actually drawn some pretty good fields because it's now the week before the PGA Championship, and maybe it's because it was at the Bunny Ranch last year, and then Southern Hills was hosting the PGA Championship. It got a lot of big names last year, although K.H. Lee can't be beat at that course. Undefeated at the Bunny Ranch. K.H. Lee is the last long shot in a solid PGA field, unless you want to count the Billy Horschel 60 or 70 from Memorial. Like Those are the only two that come to my mind in the last calendar year. From... Like, strength of field above average or average events. Yeah, you're probably right. I mean, when Poston won the John Deere, it's not a great event. Yeah. All right. Top odds for the Arnold Palmer Invitational. It's the same spiel that we've been giving you from DraftKingsportsbook.com. Rom is 6.5 to 1. Rory's 8.5 to 1. Has Rory been first-round leader here like three years in a row? I feel like that's the case. Anyway, Scheffler's 10. Then there's a drop. Homa. 18, then Thomas Amorakawa at 20, Xander, Finau, Cantlay at 22 to 1, and then you have Big Will Z, Big Willie style, 25 to 1. That is the first wager that I made this morning. DraftKings Sportsbook has the best odds on Will Zalatoris at this moment. That 25 is not going to last, so if you see it and you want to bet Will Zalatoris, bet it now because it probably ain't getting any better. I'm in on Will Z. I'm guessing you are too. I have bet Will Z. I'll get to a moment how I embarrassed myself in a moment, but we had the conversation at Genesis. We questioned his health. I am not questioning his health anymore. When he puts the ball in the ground, I will not question his health. I woke up to the 30s on DraftKings, so bless them. And because I can't bet where I am, I honestly, like this morning was a scared straight moment in how I acted, not being able to bet, and then literally phone bombing a friend like the the beginning of the invasion of baghdad i lit up his fucking phone like i'm a psychopath i'm disgusting i went to bed last night being like meh i'm on vacation you'll make your bets when you can make your bets it's golf whatever just bet a couple super elites call it a week and then my eyes open this morning and i just need to see what's being offered and then i act like a lunatic trying to get a friend to make the bet in. Good news, the bet's made. But my behavior, disgusting. That feels pretty on brand for you. I thought I was better than that. Come on now. 
Oh, Paul, yes. Right, pa- right. Paul, Paul has a comment here. Paul, yes. If you or anyone you know has a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER. No, it's a lifestyle now. It's this golf thing, Pat. Once we're in this golf vortex, Mondays are are um, are different. And now I, I, I'm in a rut, and I can only have one strategy now, and it's trust my guys. I just got to trust my guys. We're going to get out of this, Feinberg, by trusting your guy. I'm not copying anyone. I am betting my guy. And it seems like a lot of people bet Will Zalatoris and for good freaking reason. We always talk about the courses where Will Z can win, and it's probably not going to be at a course where the winning score is minus 24. It's probably going to be at a course where minus 7 might do the trick, and there's a reason that at the more difficult majors, Will Zalatoris continues to pop up near the top of the leaderboard. Here's a fun thing about Zalatoris, and I went through this on the research show. I've started to do a few more player profiles, on the research show. So if people want to dig in a little bit deeper, obviously fantasynational.com slash mayo, get that discount that Wednesday to Wednesday, or hell, just do it right now. It's a, it's a big savings off the annual if that's what you want to get into. But Zalatoris has gained on the greens in six straight events. I'm ups- I don't, what I saw at Genesis, like he clearly, remember Cantley, like he just wouldn't play back to back. He was overcoming things. It was a really long time. He didn't want to risk re-aggravating anything. Didn't matter what the quality was. He wasn't going back to back. Now, it's from a time we didn't have elevated events. So I just overreacted to the fact that there's a human being out there who is not playing an elevated event made no sense to me. And then my heart broke for the guy for a little bit, Pat, in the sense that that injury happened at the FedEx Cup, free money season. Now we're into 2023 and it cost him an elevated event. So my head was spinning. But seeing him perform at the Genesis, I am, no. We're back to me overbetting Will Zalatoris like I was last year chasing that goddamn win. I'm back. I'm back, baby. So we're both in on that. Is there anyone, like, are you going to do Rory, Scheffler, or Rom? I woke up last night convinced I would. Convinced. And then I wake up this morning and I see these odds and they're just like, there's a force There's a force, a magnetic force that just pulls me to guys like 25 to 40 that don't win (laughs) or they win, they win. But that, that that I just change. I'm not as strong as I think I am clearly. I mean, you know how we got, I guess the audience knows, but sometimes I try to put air in my own tires and it deflates quickly. I'm not making one of those bets. All that happens now is with all these guys playing so well, Pat, it just creates, I think I'm going to bet them. But the odds come out, and it creates this system where I feel forced to trust the guys at the bigger number because the guys at the very top are all playing so well, if that makes any sense. I, I would agree with you. Homa is 18 at DraftKings Sportsbook. He's played this tournament the, each of the past three years, finished inside the top 10, T10 in 2021, but has never finished worse than T24. Is this just a ride the Homa heater and continue to like I've seen him as low as 22 in some spots it's a pretty good number for how well he's playing at the moment so I mean going back to our conversation at the Genesis I don't think you disagreed with me although I think you ended up playing Homa I did and I was like 98 out of 100 times if you're giving me Morikawa or, or Thomas or one of those guys at a bigger number I'm not there yet on Homa to accept these numbers I love Homa I think he's the man you've never heard me besmirch him in any which way but I, 
after watching the Genesis, maybe I need to now fully accept the reality of the world we are living. But I can't bet him under 20 to 1 when I can bet guys over 20 to 1 who I believe in are just same. as much or dumb enough, maybe more. Well, the, the, it's funny, like after backing Homa, you know, twice uh, through California, obviously, and that's where the majority of his wins have come. Again, he's just someone who can putt, and that's really nice to have on a Sunday when you need to make up some strokes. Be like, oh, man, I, I'm, my guy's going to have to hit a few 25-footers in order to stage this comeback, and he's capable of doing it. You'll get the next guys on the list, like Morikawa's there. We bet on Zalatoris. It's, you know, like Victor Hovland is down here as well. Spieth, you never know with him. The 35-footer's not a problem for Spieth. It's the four-footer for Spieth that you're, like, cringing over whenever you see it. That it, there's something nice about that. Thomas is another one. Like, Thomas can run these super hot. And maybe Thomas should be the look here. I know he's driving the ball very poorly, coming off a very bad Genesis. But he's won at Honda. He's won the Players' Championship. Obviously, this is a longer course. But in your mind, doesn't this seem like a perfect Justin Thomas course? It's like long irons, difficult course, short game, mid-range putting. Those are all things that he does well. And to save your ass, if you do go off track, that you really need to be like lethal from like 75 to 125 yards so you don't triple bogey holes. Like in terms of birdie sayer, bogey par savers and bogey savers, if you do go into the water, because the water's everywhere at Bay Hill, it does seem like Justin Thomas has that skill. It's like, oh shit, like he's dead. He's going to make a triple bogey. It's like, oh no, he just got it up and down from 111 yards. Yeah, I mean, I don't know whether it's our perception. I guess it's the stats of the 100-yard, 130-yard wedges that when he does knock it out sideways or can only get it 50, 40 yards to advance, he's as good as anybody and still um, taking uh, of getting out of that hole in a better, with a lower score than any other golfer it feels like we watch on a regular basis. Thomas is back in the 20s. Last time we had the conversation a few weeks ago, it's like Thomas in the 20s. This is the, the go signal. Um, how do we pivot so hard from that? But you said it. He hasn't played here since 15 where he finished 49th. I mean, who cares what he finished? It's just been a long time. He's got this great... You trust he can wake up in Florida and maybe in the same way that we're all hoping, Pat. And I say hoping. Hoping that Florida can cool down John Rahm, right? But it's only going to wake up Rory, I guess. God that, damn it. Yeah, and that's sort of the narrative this week. Like, Rahm's got his three. Scheffler already has his one. Homa has his one. Rory has one, but it was in the Middle East over Patrick Reed. No one really watched that unless they were up at 8 a.m. on a Sunday morning, which they probably weren't watching the DP World Tour. That This is now, like, imagine if Rory wins this week. Like, what a stage is set not only for next week at the players, but just as the road to the Masters starts leading up. Like, having a Rory win on the card, too. It's like, well, it, it feels like there's three guys who can win the Masters now. That's it. Yeah. I mean, what it would say. I mean, hopefully, if Rory wins, I mean, we won't get the bump in other odds, guys. Uh, we won't get the bumps yet for the Masters, but it would create a perfect storm of, of, things, of things to come. Um, yeah, there's a lot of guys that I would like to bet, but as you said, should we, how discouraged would a lack of recent course history be here for you? 
I don't know, because I wanted to mention Finau as well, who hasn't played this in a few years, and he's never really played all that great results-wise at this course. But looking back, like he just really struggled on these greens overall. Like The chipping and putting has been really bad for Finau. He hasn't played it since 2020, which was just before. It was the week before the pandemic started uh, that he hasn't been back to Bay Hill since. But the past two times that he's played it, he missed the cut and he came 28th. I mean, he gained 5.2 strokes on approach the year that he missed the cut. So over, you know, 2.6 per round on approach. Like, that was really good. Just he couldn't do anything else. He was hitting into the water. He was missing three-foot putts. So hopefully he's cleaned up that part of his game. He feels like a much better player, and he's sort of becoming forgotten at the moment. Like, he's 22-1 to 1 on DraftKings Sportsbook right now. Looking at another place where you can grab him at 25, uh, elevated up to 28 if you want that. It does feel like... At a course that could play so difficult, someone like Finau has shown an ability to win those sorts of events. I would agree. I would argue there's a player who I'm looking at who's, I think, just behind him, Pat, or in the exact same place. Cantley? Nope. Xander. Oh, yeah, um, your buddy Xander. Yeah, listen, doesn't win a ton either, but when it gets really tough and it ends up feeling like a major... I trust that I can get my weekend position. Uh, and in some ways, that's half the battle. Maybe that's not the right way to look at it. Uh, I, I'm really, he, he only played here in 2020, finished 24th. His game seems to be um, like he's so consistent. It seems to be like evergreen. It travels kind of everywhere. That, that would be the one in and around that post 20, in between 20 and 25, that at the moment has me. Okay, well, let's go down the board just a little bit. Jason Day is now 30 to 1. He's still 65 to 1 to win the Masters, by the way, but he's 30 to 1 to win this tournament. Do, uh, <laughs> if you want to remember take... at the Christmas show, we sort of made fun of Masters odds in general, and hi- I highlighted the Jason Day one as like, um, I don't know how, how, but made fun of it. Now it feels great. 65 to 1 actually feels pretty, pretty good on yeah. Jason Day. But I was just making the point at Christmas on the odds traffic, like how it never, right? Like how it's just one way traffic. Guys playing bad will never go up because the the books are like, no, we'll give this guy time to get it right. We're not just going to post on a, a bigger number. The events in so many weeks, that guy can figure it out. But they're always ready to slash any sort of form quickly. He's been great. He has top 10s in his past three starts. There has been a correlation a little bit over the years between Torrey Pines and Bay Hill. Obviously, Day has won both of those events over the course of the past seven years. Mark Leishman is another one. Obviously, Tiger won both like 11 billion times. So, you know, Tiger's won a lot of events a whole bunch of times. Everywhere besides Riviera, essentially, is where Tiger has done the majority of his damage over the course of his career. So I can't probably throw him out of that mix. It's kind of like why I like Zalatoris as well. Obviously, he hasn't won at Torrey Pines, but he does have a playoff loss, and that's sort of the same, similar style, of course, that can, you can go low there in that tournament, but generally it's going to play pretty tough when you start coming down the stretch, which is something that I like to see. Day at 30, it's nice and everything, but when you have like Victor and Spieth and Sungjae and Fitzpatrick, Hatton, who's won here, Burns, Cam Young, Tom Kim, all behind him, and even Shane Lowry, who has like legitimately the worst course history at any course I've ever seen than he does at Bay Hill. I don't understand it whatsoever because it should be a perfect course for Shane Lowry. He's just been god-awful here (laughs) over the course of his career. It just seems too high. It's probably fair based on where the rest of the odds shake out this week, but 
I would still rather bet Hovland. Not that I bet Hovland, but I would rather bet Hovland at five points better than Jason Day. He came second last year here. Oh, that Hovland, was it round two last year? Yeah. Like the total unconscious on Fuego? Yeah, yeah. Uh, there's a good chance when I say I just need to trust my guys to get me out of a hole. It's exactly w- what I'm talking about. We're, 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 uh, the day thing's incredible. It, I'm so happy to see him playing well again. The win feels imminent. It felt more imminent than like the Rose win. Uh, it feels way more closer than the Ricky win that we all hope is coming. This is the next win that I think, um, like the next veteran win that us as golf fans would just love to see. But my sentiment is identical to yours. I'm not betting him around these players. I'm just not. Like you, you mentioned Hovland, even Fitz and, and M, I would be more tempted to, I think, make an outright bet on than, than, um, than Day. I'd love to see win, but won't have my money. Yeah, I'm with you on that one. That's just, he's not going to take my money at 30 to 1 here. And listen, I said that about Chris Kirk last week, and Chris Kirk won. I said that about Justin Rose at Pebble. Maybe I should be betting on Jason Day, and that would just be the best way to go through it. He was one of the individual player profiles that I broke down to show what he's doing. And the, uh, the irons are still a bit inconsistent, but he's almost back to driving the ball where he was during his, like, six wins and nine start streak, and he's just turned back into Jason Day who can't miss a putt again, which is a terrifying prospect. Yeah, 100%. And he's always, I mean, looking, talking long-term for the Masters, Masters has always been pretty kind. He's contended there a lot. I remember a very young Jeff Feinberg was promised by a much younger Cam Stewart that one day Jason Day would would win the Masters. Um, and you felt felt that was like, all, not a sure thing, but of course he's going to win the Masters. Um, anyway, that's me on a ramble. No, no day for me, Pat, but four straight top tens for Fitzpatrick. I mean, if, like I said, there's ever a course that felt perfect for him on the PGA schedule. It's kind of here. I, I would agree with you. The problem is... Do we think that, like, he had that neck problem at Pebble, and it came out the day before Pebble kicked off. He's been dealing with this neck injury, and he just really hasn't been any good. He didn't play, like, he missed the cut at Pebble. There was weird conditions there. He made the cut at Phoenix, but that was nothing. Missed the cut at Riviera. He's just been kind of bad. Yeah, you're probably not the form you're looking to bet on in an elevated event where your A game will be required to battle and beat uh, the dragons, even if there is a Nick Taylor that pops up, he'll be surrounded by other dragons. Correct. So the one bet I did make from this range, I see him at 40 to one on DraftKings Sportsbook right now. I bet him at 50 to one this morning. I bet on Sam Burns. I don't love his Ooh. form either, but he's a bit all over the place. And essentially anytime you get this guy on Bermuda, give him a shot. Uh, yeah, I watched um, the end of Jen. Would it have been, no, it was uh, no, Phoenix. He, he top 10 in Phoenix. Phoenix, yeah. I tracked him at Phoenix. Looked like he was striking it beautifully, which led me to bet him at the Genesis. That didn't work. So I've been very close on Sam, not close, closely following him in those events. I, I don't mind that one bit. It, I hate to say it, like, I don't know what the word means, but it feels kind of fair, especially a 50 on Sam Burns. Uh, that, that seems fair. And top. finding fair numbers is not, is not easy. Those, they're pretty rare. He was tied for ninth 
in this tournament last year. So then, like, the rest of the board, I mean, we can talk about Cam Young. I like Cam Young. I don't know if I want to bite at, like, 40 to 1 on Cam Young. Hatton is always just sort of a mystery, but this is sort of a perfect Hatton course. Do you put anything into, maybe it was the field strength and the types of players that played in this event over the course of the past, I don't know, five to eight years or so, but internationals and Euros do really well here. I feel like it's... Bay Hill is more like a course that you would see on the DP World Tour rather than what you would see normally on the PGA Tour, if that makes any sense. Like, the rough is really thick. Total sense. A lot of wind, water everywhere. Like, there's just blow-up potential around. It's a better, stronger field, but it's got a lot of the same... Like, how we always would joke, Honda was always had that international flag flare also when those guys play well they when conditions get tougher it does seem like the international players um i don't know that the wind water bermuda has them feeling more comfortable than a lot of our star americans who honestly in some ways choose to avoid these events and the only reason we get to see them in any of them is because they're not not going to play the players uh you know they'd avoid florida entirely if not for the players. So there is something to it. Hatton's been, he's been driving it. Uh, he's been getting a bit more distance from his driver as well. I think last week, was it the really long irons that killed him? But then there's moments of pure brilliance with those irons. I don't mind his form. If you feel like Hatton, I think his form is good enough. His form and course history are good enough. I think DraftKings has a 40 pat, which is top of market. Yeah, 40, 40 for uh, Hatton at this moment. To speak of those Zalatoris odds, they've already been cut to 22 at DraftKings through the past 15 minutes of us doing the show. So I'd still bet him at 22. Listen, if I missed the 25 and get the 22, I didn't. I, I got the 25. But if that had happened to me, I would still bet the 22. Because 22 is still like better than you're finding everywhere else. Because everywhere else is like 18 or something like that. Either way, when it comes to Hatton... Uh, to look at him and how he has done. Obviously, he's won this event. He was tied for second last year after a comeback. He's made the cut each of the past five years. And listen, sometimes you need to take a little bit of a different look. Like, he came sixth in Phoenix. He was really good ball striking-wise and was, like, so-so with the putter. Uh, He lost a few strokes on the greens at Riviera, lost on approach. But a lot of that was the final round when he got placed with he played with tiger round four at the genesis he beat tiger he beat tiger but like he didn't play well like tiger didn't play well either but hatton didn't play well in round four at genesis and it felt like he knew that where he wasn't going to win that he just kind of played it up for the cameras knowing that he would be on tv the entire time yeah i i i had him in a lot of prop position stuff all week i wrote him up for um some of my favorite placement bets going into that genesis because around the green game remains elite Okay. So I, I no, I, I try. I mean, he, I'm just saying he's what he's known for, what he does well. He is still doing really well. And he is, it seems like getting better performances out of his driver, like everybody's finding a little bit of distance um, out here. I wish it was more. It was 66, I think maybe 60 to one at the Genesis, but he's coming to his happy place. I mean, he does, he hasn't finished. He's finished outside of 30th once in the past six years with six straight missed cuts and what, three top fives and a, with a win. 
He's good. I don't know if he, I don't know if forty to one is attractive enough to get my money. He feels like more of the hey, let's see what the condition. Same as Fitzpatrick, really. Like, can I get a sense of what they're doing in round one, even if they don't post a great <laughs> score? Knowing that if the conditions get amped up a little bit, that they're probably a pretty good bet. Lowry is the number that keeps sticking out to me. Like, because you have a whole bunch of these guys that you know that you want to bet. Like, is anyone going to bet Chris Kirk at sixty to one? I don't think so, right? Nope, but I've seen a lot of people showing off their huge players' championship tickets. So uh, excited! He's got eighth and fifth place last two years I, here. He's been good. With, Listen, uh, he's great in Florida. We all know this. <laughs> yeah, I'm not. I I mean, fit, you could argue where we are on the board. We could be past the point of no um, return. What was that DraftKings number on Kirk? You said sixty. 60. It's the same as Lowry and Hideki. Yeah, that Hideki. Jeez. God, Keith Mitchell. Is I don't want to keep referencing this, but I said in Hawaii at the TOC that if this is a sign of things to come in the strong field for Hideki numbers, I might have a Hideki losing money problem this year. You might even get Jeez, a you, I, you might even get a better number on this as the week goes along. I don't think many people are interested in Hideki, and when we get to the one and done section. Even fewer people are going to be interested in Hideki. Yeah, of course. Do you have, um, um, I, I guess it's just his consistency, what else you can say, but Sungjae always lurking, man. He had those back-to-back top threes. I think he's uh, his 20th last year. He sort of checks all the boxes. Yeah, but do you want, and, do you want you to know, bet him at 35-1 to 1 in this field? Like, that's why I keep coming back to Lowry. Like, Lowry's just as good as these guys. He's just way more inconsistent. But who cares if he comes in second? We're, we're concerned about winning golf tournaments. And, yeah, he's been shit at this tournament over the years. But he's double the price of a lot of these guys. Okay. So you've, um, you're identifying Lowry as like he should be in the 40s then. No. Like, 60 is probably, again, a fair number. But Thigal is 55. So yeah, like fair is fair is fair is fair is relative to this field, right? Like n- none of the numbers are fair. We know that, but when you start looking at the other players around them and look at like the skill level, like fuck Fleetwood seventy five to one. Not that I love Tommy, but this is the sort of course where he would play really well. I'm happy that I might not get yelled at for that one because uh, I don't mind it. These are sort of where he finds himself in far. I mean, if he's ever going to do anything on this continent, it has to be in Florida. You would think. You would think um, that that could be a longer one. Not like I said. Yeah, I f- think I'm fine. might have to go to his guys. <laughs> that would, guys. That, that would be a nice. That would be a nice bailout that you haven't hit a winner yet this year, and then Fleetwood is the one who comes through for you. But he's made five of five of six cuts at this tournament. Past four years, twentieth, tenth, miscut, third, has another top ten. On top of that, he's very good on the greens here, very good around the greens here. Coming off, you know, a pretty strong weekend at the Genesis, too. Like, drove the ball pretty poorly, but the rest of his game looked really well. And it's funny to think back. Like, I remember the first time I ever bet on Fleetwood. I think it was the Aaron Hills U.S. Open. We were watching him on the DP World Tour. It would have been, like, 2017 or something. And he he hit his each way that week, made a nice putt on the 72nd hole to ensure he got that each way at, like, 200 to 1 or something like that. That was awesome. But think about all the places where Tommy Fleetwood plays really well. Hard courses now it's different on the dp world tour when you're playing against lesser fields but you amp up how difficult a course can be and then tommy almost like zalatoris in a way becomes a lot more live the two second places in majors that still crush my soul 
is Fowler almost doing everything right and Reed not relenting an inch and getting doing everything, like holding him off. In the history of the Masters, no one – that doesn't happen. And the the Shinnecock, the, the ungodly perform the – the bigger than a god performance of Brooks and Tommy just had his heels by an inch. And you mentioned a putt on the 72nd hole at Aaron Hills that he did hit. He did not hit the, the putt on the 72nd hole at the cock for the playoff. No, but, uh, I, 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 don't, I, don't, I still don't think you can get mad at Tommy after the round. That I'm not. I'm not. I love him. I love him. He, I love he, him. he had the round of the day. <laughs> um, and, and listen, I had, we, we live bet him on Saturday night at like 200 to 1 or something. I was like, oh, my God, this is going to happen. But uh, it didn't because you know, Brooks was Brooks then. That was the funniest where the field flipped on the Saturday, right? Was it like Burger and Tommy and Fina? Finau and Berger posted early, and they got in at plus three, and then everyone just crumbled in the afternoon at that uh, U.S. Open. Yeah, that was crazy. Um, is it like we're now at uh, Tom Kim at 50? Maybe we'll hold up for the players? Hey, well, well, well here's the thing. I, I see a boost on a site that we enjoy to play. Tom Kim up to 66-1. to one. I, I'm betting him to win the players. I don't care what his form is going Ooh. in. Like it just all year I've identified the players as a great Tom Kim course. And it's going to be hilarious when he shoots like 24 over par or something like that. in his first appearance ever at Sawgrass, but just guys who do well at the Wyndham tend to do well at the players. And he crushed, he crushes on these types of greens that he has the short game and listen, his putter can flip either way. And maybe not seeing these greens before is going to lead to an all time disastrous putting performance. But uh, I bet Tom Kim at 66 to one this week already. With the with the yeah, five, I was going to say you're places. calling the Masters. I feel like you have no, players. To... I'm not calling the Masters. I'm calling the players. Oh, sorry, sorry. You're calling the players. You have to protect blowing the load early by betting them this week. Yes, he hasn't played either course ever before. I, I don't love this course for him, honestly. It's it's not. Uh, I mean, you want your you know longer hitters. You want your long iron players. But he can cobble all of that together well enough by hitting a lot of fairways and hitting his long irons well, which he does. He just needs to be able to figure out the greens here, never having played it before. But I I I have faith in Tom Kim. Maybe I, I have too much faith in Tom Kim is the issue. But just don't don't let me not bet him this week if he sucks this week. Next week if he sucks this week, just remind me about that, okay? Well, that's the goal. I mean, I guess then the plan is for him to be so bad this week, we even get the better one next week as good players play well this week. Yes, that would be the move. That's always the plan every time. So, yeah, Tom Kim 66 to 1 is on the card. I'm now thinking about Fleetwood a little bit more. And, I mean, I don't want Keegan in this range. I, I probably want to Connors? bet. Connors? Connors. Really? You want to bet Corey Connors in this field? No, I'm. Maybe that could be more of a DFS thing. He's got his third, his eleventh. He he can the long irons. He can um, plot around. We're here. talking about guys that can fun. win. You're just naming names. You want to bet Corey Connors? Yes or no? No, I'm no. not going to bet Corey Connors. I'll probably do some stuff with Corey this week, though. All like right. I, you're going to you're going to fool around with Corey. I get it. You're both down in Florida. That makes sense. Paul, yes. I bet Keegan. You bet Keegan. Yeah. 80, did did, did they 80. did they move Bay Hill to Maine? I mean, he's never missed a cut here. He's T11 last year, T10 the other year before that. Playing well, too. Tough course, doesn't play well. all of his putts. Yeah. He played horrible last week, but whatever. We're back on the East Coast. Yeah. No, I, listen, I, I get it. I'd rather bet Keegan than bet Connors, but I don't know if any 
Yeah, the 75 on Keegan, I know it feels like an impossible ask, but I noticed like a lot of the Keegan, the people who have been betting on Keegan or the Keegan truthers, they appear very happy and satisfied to have seen the 75 that showed up this morning. It's the type of course. I'm not one of them because I'm more of the never bet Keegan crowd and I'll bet my own losers. Okay. Uh, Ricky, yes or no? No for me. No, but it, like we don't I need a bunch. No, keep... just no. Just we, we have lots of guys to talk about here. We're already like an hour and a half in. So it's a yes or no. It's a no. No, no. Keep playing great though. Hundred to one and beyond. I actually think there's again if we start talking about the top like twenty market, top ten market, top forty market, whatever it might be. I do think there are some compelling names. And to start off with the two guys who finished inside the top five last year, Horschel coming off pretty shitty week honestly uh cobbled it together a little bit at honda he just hit it in the water a bunch that's never great and gary woodland who's just playing great golf who's 100 to 1 pat there was a moment in the genesis where he was literally unconscious i'm shaking right now <laughs> because i tracking that ball striking at the genesis like it still gives me goosebumps in a lost cause where he probably finished when he finished 10th 8th 7th 9th I'm here for it. I was sad to not have lost money on him last week. I, he, I've never not bet Gary Woodland at the Honda. The only reason I couldn't is because he didn't play. I now must transfer those units to Gary Woodland at, at Bay Hill. 100 to 1. Um, do you have any, like, internet? I feel like, oh, this might be really bad. I'm also kind of tempted to maybe try Min Woo Lee again. Ah, see, you're, you're, we're reading the same tea leaves here. I was thinking Min Woo. If I'm going to go with a long shot, like Gary Woodland's a major champion not that long ago and is playing some good golf. So that logically makes a lot of sense, especially considering he's come, what, 5th, 21st, and 20th, three of the past four years at this course. He has a lot of experience around here. Luke List was another one that I was weirdly looking at, but I just don't want to get into the situation where... He strikes the ball better than anyone else in the field, chips immaculately, and misses every two-foot putt because that's what happens to him at this course. Although he has a top 10 uh, at this venue. I think he has two top 10s at this course as well. Another guy with good Tory history, Gary Woodland, another what? guy with good Tory history. But if I'm going to go with like one of these jabronis from beyond 100 to 1, got to feel like I want an international or a Euro. So Min Woo, Moronk, Lucas Herbert. Oh, finished I saw inside. your draft. Her- Herbert has uh, finished inside the top 10. This week, like Ryan Fox is playing this course. First time we're seeing Ryan Fox all year. Like those guys, I feel could be undervalued. They could be dog shit here too, but that would be the chance that I'd be willing to take on a long shot. But I still probably prefer them as a top 10, top 20 rather than the outright. Very strong cases made. I think I think there's a great opportunity potentially for Min Woo. You mentioned the international stuff. I, I saw Moronk in real life, Pat. I watched that draft graze right by me <laughs> on the third hole on Saturday for, for a moment. It's it's actually crazy. Like your joke about the draft, but then you see him in real life and it's like, holy shit, dude's a draft. Dude's a draft. Also, great moment just walking like minding my own business and then hearing some eight-year-old girl complain to her dad or whine to her dad like, you brought me here to watch grass <laughs> did did the uh did the polish giraffe eat all that grass no i watched him he had a hard bunker shot he overshot the green 
It was a, I, I was a tough moment when I, why I watched him, but so he don't torture your kids sometime. Make sure your kids really in. I guess you got to find out the hard way if your kid's not in for it, but then it turns into, yeah, they're just forced to sit there and watch grass because they don't give a shit. So he's played two tournaments back to back weeks. He played the Genesis and played the Honda. He's gained strokes on the field. T to green, both those weeks, bled a bunch on the greens at Riviera, but we see that all for a lot of first timers at Riviera gained marginally last week on the greens. Uh, gained a bunch on approach. Like, Moronk's a good player. Is he going to win this event? No. But as a top 10, like, you're now getting juicy odds. Min Woo couldn't have driven the ball better, and that's what we expected last week. How good he is off the tee, maybe that's good enough this week. Like, we've seen, him, we've seen Min Woo win in real windy conditions before. We absolutely have. I think it sets up perfectly for Min Woo to um, show his face. And honestly, if I had to pick a guy to play the role of Nick Taylor this week, it, I think Min Woo would probably be my number one choice in that regard and sticking in this hundred to one pat i obviously watched the end of the golf on sunday i watched a bit of the beginning to see justin sue or or, or sue play sunday one over when every time i saw him he hit it to like seven feet or shorter i don't even know how that was possible he just couldn't putt i love justin sue but dude just he had it going on the friday to get tied for the lead and then basically mid Mid, I watched all of his uh, all of his Saturday round. Midway through Saturday, it just the putter went ice cold. I don't think he made a putt over three feet on Saturday. No, that's not a lie. I was like three feet was his longest putt made. <laughs> yeah, so that was a tough tough scene. Uh, tough scene for for him. Um, I mean, just come. Oh, that's what I wanted to mention. Off a strong showing at the Genesis, I think there was a moment on the Saturday where. It was Wyndham Clark, Tiger Woods, and the final pairing who were bogey-free deep into Saturday at the Genesis. Kirshner's boy, Windy C. Windy C. Uh, Yeah, not for me. I guess we're talking about outright, so now I'm just naming a name. But he's a guy, and with some other things, I'd be interested in potentially. Or maybe... um, People are on to him. I'm not quite sure, but he's striking it beautifully. Yeah, the one I'll, I would also look back to, and again, probably not an outright, although it, depending on what his top five odds are versus his each way odds, it might be more beneficial to bet him on the each way. He's 200 to 1 on DraftKings Sportsbook right now. Okay, I guess. Sure. I wrote him up in my column, so if you read my column, you know I haven't who it is. Seen, I haven't <laughs> seen the column. Maybe I'm cheating. I hope I get it wrong. Uh, ben Ann. No, uh, same odds. I mean, Ben Ann makes sense here. Uh, But again, I want to back someone who can kind of putt a little bit if I need it and make make a 10-footer for par at some point. Uh, Sam Ryder, who Orlando guy, has played really well in Florida in the past. And look, his driving and irons have cooled off a lot since, but he just played really well at Torrey Pines. Tee to green across the board against the top of the top. He just went back-to-back T20. He was 20th at Phoenix. He was 20th at the Genesis. And a lot of that had to do with how well he is putting at the moment. The tee to green kind of went to shit a little bit. Although the irons came back at the Riv. Uh, he gained four strokes on approach, so a stroke per day on the field against the best players in the world. I just like him in Florida. I think he's playing some really good golf right now. And if he can maintain how good his putter has been, maybe he can recapture a little bit of the driving, a little bit of the irons. Remember, he was the one who lost to Damon in that like wind-infested Puerto Rico Open a few years back. That if it does get 
legitimately windy. I, I don't hate him in the wind. So that's another angle that I think that you can take with Sam Ryder. Again, you're probably playing a top 20 on Sam Ryder. Maybe you get adventurous, do a top five, top 10, something like that. But at super deep odds, I do think he is one of the guys from down here who can do really well amongst the big names in this field. Cause I've seen him do it three weeks in a row. Um, it's how he brought those joggers. They brought his mom out. He is hitting it nice. You've seen him play well in Florida before. I can't say anything bad about that at 200 to one. I mean, if they show you, put it this way, if they show your mom on TV, you're not going to win. We've now found that out with Sam Ryder and Eric Cole. Yeah. Very different scenarios, but it all led back to the same place and not, in not winning um as i go i mean now we're just sort of in the dead range and we're naming names and i'll just name one last one i feel like rio's always played well here but this is an outright betting show so i feel like an idiot for saying that okay very quickly puerto rico open that's actually where i start that's where i started my card this week so that's a lot of fun Uh, i bet batia at 30 he is the one favorite that I'm going with. Brandon Harkins is 22 to one in this tournament. How is this guy 22 to one in this tournament yet can't get any other PGA tour start besides the Puerto Rico open that I do not know. Nate Lashley is the favorite in this field. So bombs away. Ryan, I, I think that Ryan Brem won this tournament 300 to one last year, big on driving distance at this course. Although someone like stupid, like Ben Crane will end up winning. Cause he'll make every putt somehow. This is where Victor Hovland got his first win. This is where Tony Finau got his first win. If there is someone that you believe in to get behind. And I do believe in Batia. We saw some great numbers out of him at Honda a week ago. So 30 to one seemed very fair to me. The other ones that I played, I've played, three guys so far I'm, I'm taking a long look at my guy carl Wan, who is now down to 45 yeah. one that's not great but i have uh with the return of succession coming through i'm betting kevin roy at 70 to one <laughs> with an each way uh, he's the, the, the lost roy brother and then brandon matthews i bet at 200 to one with the each way i mean all that guy can do is drive the ball 400 yards i think that's the entire concept of his game but that kind of works here if you can get anything else going that number has already been slashed to 160 at the site where you can bet the each ways and on DraftKings, he is down to 110 to one very popular bet this morning i had already put it out on twitter so i think a lot of people ended up getting to it i know i wasn't alone in liking brandon matthews but batia roy and matthews are the three that i've played so far in puerto rico i don't know if you've looked at it or not okay so full disclosure i just loaded it up it was a punch in the gut to see if i want some of that andrew novak i gotta swallow a 30 (laughs) That's, that's Paul's uh, guy. Paul, you need to play the Keegan Novak double this week for 3,000 <laughs> to one. What's the, uh, what are the greens? Pass Powell, I believe. That's like, that, that's the money spot for him. Is it? Yeah. Yeah. Long course, long resort courses with pass Powell greens. Like that's, that, that's Novak nation, right? There. <laughs> Novak nation. Nope. The, the only member of Novak nation, Paul Shaw. Mexico. Mexico, where he actually had a and, run, and then John John Ramu was like four to one in that tournament, kind of ended up winning. Know, yeah. Ended up winning and doing what he was supposed to do, but like Novak was like right in the mix until Sunday. That's actually really interesting to think about because I, I had bet Kitayama that week at big odds. He ended up coming second to Ram and cashing that each way, but he probably should have won that event. And he's someone who has played. He's playing in the API this week, but had played well at Puerto Rico. I mean, Mexico does seem like if your guys played well at the Mexico Open last year, chances are they might play really well in Puerto Rico. Uh, so 
Jesus, they're all <coughs> Mart- Martin Trainer, who I believe has won. He either won Corrales or he won Puerto Rico a few years ago. Uh, he was 11th. I believe he's 70 to one this week. Nate Lashley, Grayson Murray are all guys that played well with that. Did Grayson Murray make the cut last week? I know that he was like a late add into the field. No, he did not. He did not make the cut. So in the interest of accountability and full disclosure, unlike a lot of the people who, you know, government officials who put in restrictions, they would never admit they were wrong about anything. I bet Eric Von Royen last week. What's that? I bet EVR last week. Oh, what was he, uh, plus 20? Yeah, and that (laughs) might not even been the worst one because I bet Detri, who had to withdraw with like a tummy ache, so... We're just, you know, and just for interest of accountability, we'll let you know where I'm at. Um, he's 25 to 1 this week as EVR. <sighs> Won't be touching that. Uh, this is the first time looking at it. You mentioned the Carl Yawn. You think 45 seems short to me in this field. I don't know, it kind of feels right or normal. I'm not going to say fair, but normal. Jim Herman, 65 to 1, might not be horrible. But other than that, I'm. I, it's hard enough for me to make my PGA bets this week. So this is just totally secondary for me at the moment. So we should probably move to the quick picks and the one and done portion of the show for the Arnold Palmer Invitational and the Puerto Rico Open. I got Will Zalatoris at 25 to 1, Sam Burns at 50 to 1, Tom Kim at 66 to 1 with five placements. I'm also looking at Woodland and Fleetwood and Ryder, but of course, I'm going to go to someone at the top, um, be it. I mean, it's probably not going to be the top three, but it's going to be Homa or Thomas or Morikawa or Finau or Cantley. Like one of those guys, maybe it's Hovland. I'm not sure, but in that like 20 to 30 range, I think that's where I'm going to end up with my other guy. But Zalatoris is my strongest lean. As I just mentioned, I got Batia at 30 for the Puerto Rico Open. Uh, Kevin Roy, Kendall Roy, maybe he'll drop a rap album, Puerto Rico Open. But 70 to 1 with the five placements. And then Brandon Matthews, 200 to 1 with the five placements. I'll have all the final bets uh, with Tambo on Wednesday morning. We do the DraftKings show, and they'll all be available in the newsletter, which you can sub to for free down in the description. Where are you going with this? Okay, so I have made two bets. I've bet Will Zalatoris at 30 to 1, and I have bet Victor Hovland at 37 to 1. Those are the bets that I've made. I got it. My guy's got to get me out of this hole. It's not like these guys win a lot. So, Feinberg, what's the matter? Um, I'm going up front, too. Like you, not that top three. Probably, un- there's no chance I'm probably even under 20 to 1. But there's a decision for me, and it just shows you how competitive this is. Um, Morikawa, Thomas, Shoffley, Finau, Cantley. I- I- we didn't really even talk about Cantley much at all. He's never played here before, so no, he's he- a bit of a... He's played here, hasn't he? Has he not played here at all? Like I had an empty sheet. I have a totally empty sheet unless he played here, Pat, before four, no. 2014. No, he hasn't. Never played here. Um, yeah, so it kind of feels like a forced entry, but if he's playing well, then then I got to think about it. I might actually, yeah. So Zalatoris, Hovland, and, and one or two guys in the 20s and lose money, be overexposed. Minwoo Lee is probably my favorite long shot but those are impossible yeah again i'll if i cobble together first round leaders or probably not first round leaders this week but like top 20s whatever it might be maybe i'll play some uh top 20 like triples or something like that a sam Ryder, a min Lee, and a 
Kevin Roy at the Puerto Rico Open and parlay those top 30s or top 20s together, something stupid like that, uh, to see if we can get some, some sort of decent action on the go with some of these long shots, because we've seen long shots do well enough at this course, just not win. Unless your name is Matt Every, when you win at 300 to 1 or something crazy like that, but outside of that, I think Hatton is the longest shot that we've had. He was like 40 to 1 the year that he won, or 55 to 1, actually, when he won. Leishman was a great hit, uh, yeah. and Stephen Bowditch, when he was in the golf touting game, Gave us that one. I tailed it. Yeah, and I had, I had, I had, I had, who fucking, collapsed that. Day. Yeah, I had Kisner. You had Leishman. Well, come on. I need another miracle at Bay Hill then. All right. Bay Hill the miracle. We'll see how that goes. One and done. Cust is taking Hideki Matsuyama in this elevated event. And I believe that you actually hold the key because JT beat Rory at the Genesis. So you get second pick. Um, Hovland, burn it. Okay, I'm going to take Zalatoris then. So Zalatoris for me, Hovland for you, Hideki for Timon DeCust, who will be joining us on the player show next week (coughs) to give his three picks. Who do you think he's going to pick next week? Well, his guys are gone. Like, Louie's gone, Phil's gone. This is, you're right. This is a new world, uh, new normal for Tim and, uh, like, majors or player championships. Who is Tim going to pick? Big game hunter. He's going to go to Rory, who brought him his last glory. No, Rose. He hit Rose. Tim's winning the one and done right now because he picked Justin Rose at Pebble. Well, I'm horrible at it. Yes, I know he won Rose, but his big game is what held him for four years was the Rory win, or three years. He's going to... Try to squeeze three more years out of another Rory Florida moment. I can see that happening. I can see Rory winning this week, too. So probably have to keep that in mind. Maybe I'll have a change of heart two days from now and just bet Rory at 10 to 1 or something crazy like that and just have 10 to 1, 25, 50, and 66 and call it a week. Although I have to do the math on that, see if that actually works out for me. But that will do it on the Pat Mayo experience. As long as he doesn't take fucking Tom Kim, I'm going to be happy. I got to give Morikawa another look this week, too. He's just been playing so well. He's played this course once. He had a top 10. He's won in Florida in the past. Feels like the Yeah, I made is- a big mistake this week, Pat. What? I, I'm for sure it cost myself, uh, well, a uh, 100 bucks. Uh, I don't know, Rick was just posting, like, to the to win major odds, and he was kind of like, oh, these Morikawa odds are too low. Fino shouldn't be shorter than him to win a major. And I'm like, I'll bet you Fino beats Morikawa in majors this year. Probably be double donuts. But the way Morikawa's short game showed up at the Genesis, he almost seems like he's playing great. Leading, He's playing exactly how he needs to play leading into the Masters, despite his win drought. I agree. So we'll see if that ends up working out for us. Playing the best tournament on DraftKings, the Pat Mayo Experience Open. Down in the description right now. Let's fill that up so we make it even better for next week for the Players' Championship. Get all of that rake-free money. FantasyNational.com slash Mayo gets you 20% off any membership level. So if you do it on Wednesday and get the weekly, you get all API and all players. And we got some great Players' Championship content coming for you. So Friday, me, Ben, and Rick are going to do the first look on the DraftKings. All of the research show. Jeff and I, along with Cust, to make his picks. We'll be back next Monday with Tambo on Wednesday and a very special show, not confirmed yet, but very special, hopefully (laughs) next Tuesday as well. Very excited for the potential of what that could be. So stay tuned for that. All right. I'm Pat Mayo. Thanks for watching. Cut sweat. What? Yeah. yeah, Cut sweat next week too. You're right. You're going to cut me off. I was about to say goodbye. And then I ask you a question. You're not going to answer me.
It wasn't really a question. You were more like confirming it. I actually felt bad for cutting you off and putting you on the spot in case there was something that was going to prevent that from happening. So I, I apologize. I'm sorry. I'm happy for next week. That's going to be a banger. Yeah, cut sweat live. Hopefully we don't get, unless we get terrible weather like we got last year, and then we have to like cancel because the cut doesn't happen until Sunday or something crazy like that. Anyway, I'm Pat Mayo. Thank you all for watching. I'll see you next time. Pat Mayo Experience! Experience!